This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin with Challenge of the Yukon, a long-running radio series that began on Detroit's WXYZ radio, first heard on February 3rd of 1938. Following the success of the Lone Ranger and the Green Hornet, George W. Trendle, the station owner, asked for a similar adventure show, but with a dog as a hero. According to a staffer at the station, Dick Osgood, in his history of the station, Trendle insisted it not be a dog like Lassie because this must be an action story. It had to be a working dog. Writer Tom Dougal, who had been influenced by the poems of Robert W. Service, naturally chose a husky. The dog was originally called Mogo, but after criticism by Trendle, uh, Dougal rechristened the canine King. The program was an adventure series about Sergeant William Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police and his lead sled dog, Yukon King, as they fought evildoers in the northern wilderness during the gold rush of the 1890s. Preston, according to radio historian Jim Hummer, first joined the Mounties to capture his father's killer. And when he was successful, he was promoted to sergeant. Uh, Preston worked under the command of Inspector Conrad in the early years, was often assisted by a French-Canadian guide named Pierre. Preston's staunchest ally, and arguably the true star of the show, and indeed often did more work than he did, was the brave Alaskan husky Yukon King. And typical plots involved the pair helping injured trappers, trekking down uh, smugglers, or saving cabin dwellers from wolverines. Sergeant Preston's Faithful steed was Rex, used primarily in the summer months, but generally Yukon King and his dog team were the key mode of transportation, as signaled by Preston's cry of, On, King! On, you huskies! <laughs> well, there is some confusion regarding King's actual breed, the producers seemed to use Malamute and Husky interchangeably. At least once, Preston answered Malamute to the question from another character in early radio shows, the cries of, on you huskies, would alternate with on you malamutes <laughs> from show to show. However, Trendle's criticism of Dougal may have had another reason behind it. Shortly before the two Trendle series aired, The uh, Lone Ranger and Challenge of the Yukon, a popular author Zane Gray had a book in circulation called Lone Star Ranger about a Texas ranger like The Lone Ranger and a comic book series in circulation. It could be that Trendle borrowed both ideas from Gray's work and wanted to retain the uh, name King as a tribute to Gray, who died after a long illness one year after the first airing of Challenge of the Yukon. Challenge of the Yukon became a 15-minute serial airing locally from 1938 until May of 1947. And shortly after, the uh, program acquired a sponsor, Quaker Oats, 
and the series in a half-hour format moved to the networks. Tonight's episode is entitled Jimmy's Birthday Cake. Now, as gunshots echo across the windswept, snow-covered reaches of the wild northwest, Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice, the breakfast cereal shot from guns, present the challenge of the Yukon. It's Yukon King, swiftest and strongest lead dog of the Northwest, blazing the trail for Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police in his relentless pursuit of lawbreakers. One king, one Gold, gold discovered in the Yukon, a stampede to the Klondike in the wild race for riches, back to the days of the gold rush, with Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice bringing you the adventures of Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog Yukon King as they meet the challenge of the Yukon. Hello. Hi, Chuck. You bet I've heard the news. I'll say I heard about the new Quaker model farm. I've started building mine already. Boy, talk about fun. Listen, fellas and girls, hurry. Don't miss out. You, too, can have a swell, complete miniature model farm. Yes, you can get as many as 46 different detailed scale models in all at no extra cost. Models of farm buildings and farm animals. Yes, you can actually stock your farm with animals. Have your own Shetland pony. What's more, these key new models are yours today without any delay. There's nothing to send in. There's no waiting. In just a few minutes, you'll hear how you can get a complete, exciting Quaker model farm for your very own. Keep listening. Jack Randall was one of many who failed in the search for gold in the Klondike. He came to Dawson and took possession of a crude shack until he could find work to provide a better home for his wife and year-old son. But hard luck dogged his trail. It was at the time of the year when the days were short. Twilight was gathering in mid-afternoon as Jack ran across the open stretch between the edge of town and the tiny cabin. Gotta hurry. Gotta get my rifle. He looked frequently over his shoulder as he ran, then rushed breathlessly into the shack. Helen, I've got to get away from here. Jack, Jack, what's the matter? It's Matson. Matson? The constable? Yes, he's after me. I'll get my rifle and clear out. Jack, Jimmy and I... You stay here. They've got nothing on you. I'll send for you. What do you mean? Why does the law want you? Because I... I stole money from Jake Yates. You... You stole? Yes, I did. I... I lied about the cash I brought home the other day. I didn't earn it. I broke into the safe at Frenchy's and stole the money. Oh, Jack, no. Well, it was that or starve and see the baby starve. I should have known I couldn't get away with it. Now Max is coming after me. You, Jack, a thief. I... What? A dog. Stand back, Helen. Get out of the way. Jack, put down that rifle. I'm not going to let him take me prisoner. Now get back, I tell you. Jack, I... No, oh, stop it. Please, Jack. Jack. Jack, look, that's not the constable. It's a man. He's coming to get me. Stay where you are. I got the drop on you. Hold it, King. Turn around. Go back to town or I'll shoot. Shooting me won't help you, Randall. If you shoot me, there'll be others to get you. I'm warning you. 
Turn back. Jack, please, Jack. You can't shoot a man. You'll hang. I'm coming for you, Randall. This is a last warning. Don't come one step nearer, I'll let you have it. Take him, take No, no, get away, get away. Jack, you got oh, no, get away, let me go. What are you doing, King? I'll take that rifle. There. Down, King. Steady, boy. It's all right now. Thank heaven you didn't shoot. Now, Randall, you're under arrest. You, you win. I just couldn't get up the nerve to pull that trigger. Mrs. Randall, I'm sorry I frightened your baby. I'll take care of him. There, now, Jimmy, it's all right. I, I thought it would be Madsen who'd come to get me. He's still in Whitehorse. Oh. I heard about you, so I came ahead of Madsen. I see. Frenchy didn't want to arrest you, but Madsen talked him into filing charges. Frenchy? He didn't want to arrest me? No. He knew you'd had hard luck, and he wanted to give you a chance to find a job and repay the money, but Madsen wouldn't listen to that. Madsen? That dirty ornery... Madsen no... is not a member of the Northwest Mounted Police, Jack. He'd like to be... He's trying to make a record for himself. He's tried to build you up as a ruthless, murderous criminal, a fugitive from justice in the States. Well, that's not true. Jack's never done a thing in his life that was wrong until... Until my wife and boy were hungry. Now, listen to me, Randall. I know Matson. I know his type. He's planning to come here to take you prisoner, and he's hoping you'll resist, so he'll have an excuse to shoot you. No, no! I know that's what he'd do. And I wouldn't even have to try to resist. He'd shoot me and say I resisted. That's why I was ready to shoot Matson, then head south for the border. And be a hunted man for the rest of your life? No, Randall, that's not the answer. Now listen to me. Frenchy will give your wife a job in his store. She can wait for you to finish a jail job. I won't go to jail. Yes, I... you will. You'll pay for what you've done so you can face the world. Take my word for it, Jack. You'll be happier. Sergeant Preston talked as a friendly counselor, and he talked convincingly, persuading Jack Randall to submit to arrest and face trial. There was something about the strong-faced Mounty that gave young Randall courage to accept a three-year term in prison without flinching. He served his time in full. Five years later, he was a trusted employee in the bank in Whitehorse and a respected member of the community. Apparently, no one knew about his unfortunate affair in Dawson. Not even his employer, Mr. Gregory, who owned the bank. The clerk said you wanted to speak to me, Mr. Gregory. Oh, yes, yes, Randall. Uh, Come in. I've just closed up the bank, locked the front door. Well, first of all, Randall, I want you to know that I am well pleased with the work you've been doing. Oh, thank you, sir. I like your work and I like your habits. My, my habits? <laughs> I've been keeping a close watch on you, my boy. Maybe you didn't suspect it, but I've watched you. If I'd seen you hobnobbing with Candy Lonigan or any of the gambling crowd that hang around his cafe, I, I wouldn't have liked it. Uh, how does your wife feel about living here in Whitehorse? Oh, she likes it a lot. And uh, how about your son? He likes it, too. <laughs> how old is he now? Oh, Jimmy's just six. Today's his birthday. <laughs> That's what I thought. As soon as I get home, we're going to celebrate. We have a cake with six candles on it. Fine, fine. Now, I don't want to detain you. I just wanted to uh, give you something for the boy. Here it is. Why, a uh, $20 gold piece. Yep. Oh, gosh, thanks, Mr. Gregory. I'll take this home to Jimmy and show it to him. Then bring it back tomorrow and use it to start a bank account in Jimmy's name. I was... What's the matter? I... I just saw that man looking in the window. I saw him. He's been around town for several days. His name is Matson. Matson? I think he's some kind of a special lawman. Oh, yes, I... I know him. Does he want you, Jack? No, no, he, he doesn't. Good. 
<laughs> well, now get along home. <laughs> Jimmy's waiting for his birthday cake. Yes, sir. You can go out the back way. You'll save unlocking the front door. All right. Good evening, Mr. Gregory. Goodbye. Hello there, Randall. Remember me? Yes, Matson. I remember you. It's been a long time. It's about five years since I saw you in court. You were pretty disappointed, Matson. You didn't get far when you tried to blame me for a lot of other crimes. Did you do the full stretch? Yes, I did. No, I didn't know. I left Dawson soon after you went to jail. Yes, Sergeant Preston told me you left town. So you did your stretch, and you came back here and settled down to a new life, huh? What about it? Does your boss know you spent three years in jail for robbing a safe? Now, see here, Matson. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't know it, huh? I didn't think so. What about it? Well, you were probably smart not to tell him. Gregory's not the kind of a man to trust an ex-crook in his bank. Matson, get this straight. If you try to make any trouble for me... Oh, forget it. Calm down, Jack. I don't want to make any trouble. Well, if this is a shakedown... Now, whatever gave you that idea? I wouldn't want to spoil things for you, Jack. There's no reason why the two of us can't be friends. I gotta go along. My folks are waiting. Well, there's something I gotta talk about. You'll have to wait. I can't wait, Jack. I'm still a lawman, you know. No, I... I didn't know. Well, I am. I'm here on a sort of a special assignment. I need your help. I'm in a hurry. Oh, you don't want to be in a hurry, Jack. Look. Lots of things can happen when a fellow hurries. For example, I know a gent who lost a darn good job. When his boss learned that he was an ex-crook. Why, you... <laughs> now, let's go somewhere and talk for a spell, hmm? Come on over to Candy Lonigan's cafe. Jack Randall decided it would be wise to accompany Matson to the cafe and hear what he proposed. He didn't know that on that day of all days, Sergeant Preston and the great dog King were waiting at his home. Jack should be home, Sergeant Preston. He should have been here some time ago. I can't imagine what's delayed him. You may have had to work overtime, Ellen. Oh, that must be it. I'm sorry. I wanted to see him. Oh, can't you wait a little longer? The man I'm to meet at the falls will be waiting. I've already stayed longer than I should have. It would have meant so much to Jack to have you with us when we have Jimmy's birthday cake. I'll come back here, Helen, before I leave the community. Oh, will you? Yes, probably late tomorrow. Oh, Mommy, nice dog. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy and King have become good friends. King likes children. I have an idea, Helen. I'll leave King here until I return. Oh, would you? Why not? I'll not need him. The rest will do him good. And Jimmy can play with King. him. King, going to leave you here, fella. Now you behave yourself. I'll be back tomorrow. King didn't want to be left behind, but he was made to understand that he had no choice in the matter. He watched quietly as his master left the house, then lay on the floor near the door and permitted the six-year-old boy to fondle his luxurious coat and scramble on his back. It was dark outside when suddenly the dog leaped up. Someone was coming. He caught the scent of a man he knew. Jack, you're late. That, that door. Oh, Jack, it's King. It's Sergeant Preston's dog. Oh, a nice dog. Sergeant Preston? Well, he waited as long as he could. Then he had to leave to meet someone at the falls. But he'll be back tomorrow, Jack. Daddy, no, you light the candles on my birthday cake? Helen, I, I've got to go out again. Right away. Oh, no, Jack. The birthday. Daddy, my cake with candles on oh, it. Listen, son. Daddy's in a mighty big hurry. We... We will have to wait until later for that birthday cake. Jack, what's the matter? What's happened? Oh, don't worry, Helen. Everything will be all right. Where's that dark hat of mine? Oh, it's there in the cupboard. 
Oh, is this something you brought for Jimmy? Put that down. Oh, you dropped it. Daddy, what's this? Give that to me. Jack, this is blasting powder and fuse. Helen, listen. Matson is here in Whitehorse. You remember Matson? Oh, yes. He's a special investigator of some kind, and he's trying to get evidence against Candy Lonigan. Oh, he runs the cafe. Matson wants some papers that are in Lonigan's safe, and and I've got to get them for him. And I've got to hurry while Candy's not around. You mean you're going to break into Lonigan's safe? Yes. Oh no, Jack. It's all right, Helen. I'm on the side of the law. I've got to help Matson. If I don't, he. He'll tell Mr. Grary and everyone else about my past. Well, let him. You pay for your one Yeah, but I'd lose my job. I'd lose all I've worked for. But Jack. Oh, Jack, please. I've got to hurry. Jimmy's been waiting so long, and, and there's a friend to see you. I'll be back in an hour or so. Let Jimmy take a nap. We'll have his birthday when I get back. <laughs> Mommy, why did Daddy leave? Oh, Jimmy, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Now to continue our story. Sergeant Preston had left the great dog King in the home of Jack and Helen Randall until he returned from a meeting. King stood watching Helen sob as though her heart would break after Jack had left the house with the announcement that he had to blow open the safe in Candy Lonergan's cafe. The big dog had been trained to meet almost any situation, but a woman's tears bewildered him. Mommy, please don't cry. All right. I, I'll not cry anymore, Sonny. There now. Mother's all through crying. Oh, only Sergeant Preston hadn't left. At the mention of his master's name, King whimpered softly. Sergeant Preston would have known what to do. I... I'm sure he'd have told Jack not to do this thing. <laughs> Moved by a feeling of sympathy, King rested his powerful jaws on the knee of the unhappy woman. King. Oh, King, if you could only get your master back here. I, I do want to talk to him. King barked at the door to register his desire to go after Sergeant Preston. The act gave Helen an idea. King, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to fasten a message to your harness. That's what I'll do. Mommy, wait, Jimmy. Just wait till Mother writes a short note. Then I'll be with you. The worried woman scribbled an urgent message to Sergeant Preston, then fastened it to the harness of the great dog, King. Now, King, go. Go and find your master. Go to Sergeant Preston. And God speed you. The Mountie was well on his way to the community known as the Falls to meet a man with whom he had an appointment. He was pushing through the early evening moonlight when he heard a distant bark. It sounded familiar. It sounds like King. It is King. Hey, boy. What's this mean? What are you doing here? I told you to stay with Mrs. Randall and Jimmy. Hold on now. Stop tugging like that. Huh. What's this? A note? The Mountie unfolded the note. Then using his parka as a windbreak... He struck a match to read the urgent message. One word caught his eye. Matt's King barked a response to his master's reaction. King boy, I've been traveling in the wrong direction. Get going, fellow. We're hitting the back trail and we're traveling fast. King raced along the back trail, running ahead of Sergeant Preston and stopping frequently to turn and back. As if to urge the master to greater speed. I'm with you, King. Keep going, boy. 
The great dog went directly to the home of Helen Randall and jumped and barked before the door. King, you're back. He brought me with him, Mrs. Randall. Oh, Sergeant Preston, thank goodness you're here. I read your note. You spoke of a man named Matson. Oh, yes. I, I'm nearly beside myself with worry. I didn't know what to do. You see, my husband Jack came home, but he couldn't stay for Jimmy's birthday cake. He had to leave in a hurry. Because of Matson? Yes. You said something about opening a safe. It's the one in Mr. Lonigan's office. I don't want Jack to do it. Even if he is working for a lawman, he shouldn't open a safe. That's what's got him into so much trouble before. I'll go to Lonigan's place right away. Oh, but just a minute, Sergeant Preston. The safe is not in Lonigan's cafe. No? It's in another building. Lonigan has two buildings. They're connected by a covered walk. His office is in the smaller one, and that's where he has his money in his safe. All right, Mrs. Randall. Thanks for the information. Come on, King. Hurry, Sergeant Preston, hurry. A small building that served Candy Lonergan as an office was quite dark. The only light came from the moon that shone through a single window that Jack Randall had left open when he entered the room. Cold air streamed in. But despite this, Jack's face as he worked before the iron safe was beaded with perspiration. Now to get the fuse in place. It's a good thing I'm working on the side of the law. Helen will understand everything when I have time to explain. Now to light the fuse. Randall touched a match to the short length of fuse and watched it burn for a moment, then took refuge behind a heavy desk. Sergeant Preston was at the rear of the cafe when he heard the explosion. A blast lighted up the building that served as Lonergan's office at the end of the covered walk. Close on the heels of the blast, two gunshots sounded. One came. A number of men, including the constable who had been in the cafe, rushed through the long corridor toward the office. They saw Matson at the end of the corridor near the office door. Boy, boy, come here, Pat. What is it? What's happened? I heard an explosion. What's going on? Someone get the constable. Get Lanigan. Get them both here, fast. I'm right here, Matson. So is the constable. What happened in my office? Lanigan, I was looking for you. Thought you'd be in your office. What's the gunplay mean? I got here just outside the office door. Then I heard an explosion. I heard it. We all heard the explosion. What was it? There's gunshots, too. Quiet. Let Matson tell his story. Go on, you. Well, I snatched open the door. The room was dark and filled with smoke. Then someone fired a shot. Just missed me. I jerked out my gun and I fired back. Well, I guess I got the man. He fell he's right there. You, Joe? Yeah? Get a lamp go in the office. I'll right. see what I can find. You got a gun, Matson? Yeah, here. One shot fired. Constable, look here. Come right in, Constable. Well, well, Sergeant Preston. That's right. Hey, Preston, where'd you come from? Hello, Matson. Oh, where did... King and I come through that open window. It was just a little way off when we heard the blast and gunshots. Quiet, King. Put the lamp right there, Joe. All right. And get a couple of others going. We gotta see how hard hit this man is. He's alive. You'll recognize him, Constable. You too, Lonigan. Well, what? A great day. It's Jack Randall. Turn safe, Cracker. Let me at him. He tried to kill me. Get that dog back. Stay where you are, Matson. Randall, a thief? I can't believe it. Well, there's the evidence, Lonigan. Safe blown open, Randall on the floor, and his gun right beside him. How long have you been here, Sergeant Preston? Just a minute ahead of you. Matson was shooting when I came through the window. Randall's always been a crook. He did a term three years in Dawson. Sure, that's right. And you can prove it by checking the records. Before that, he was wanted for a lot of other crimes. Matson, you know that's a lie. It is not. It's a truth. When Randall was on trial at Dawson, you tried to pin a number of other crimes on him and failed. What's going on here? It's Gregory. Hey, it's a banker. Come in, Gregory. That's Jack Randall on the floor. I'm fixing his wound, Mr. Gregory. Just grazed for the bullet. You ought to hang for trying to kill me. Sergeant Preston, is that true? I doubt it. 
You doubt it. I, I don't see how you can doubt it, Sergeant Preston. The evidence is here before our eyes. The open safe, Matson's story. I saw Randall at the safe. There. I think that bandage will do for the time being. And there's Randall's gun right beside him on the floor. Preston, I hired that man on your recommendation. If he's proved to be a thief... I had a lot of paper money loose in this safe. It's gone. Oh, it is, huh? Well, I guess Randall can tell where it is. Let's wait until he regains consciousness, see what he has to say for himself. In the meantime, it wouldn't hurt to go through his pockets and see if he has Candy Lonergan's cash. Very well, Matson. Be sure you search him thoroughly, Sergeant Preston. I'm watching you close. Oh? Hey, there you are. Look what the Mounties found. Money. Fallen money. There's the evidence. Now, what do you say, Preston? He's regaining consciousness. I I can't believe that he's a thief. Well, he is. And the chances are he figured on cracking the safe in your bank as soon as he had the right chance. Oh, what? What? Take it easy, Jack. You, Sergeant Preston. (laughs) King. Don't try to talk until you're ready. What what happened? You know what happened. You're caught cracking the safe and I shot you. I wish I'd have killed you, you thieving polecat. Matson. Oh, you can't lie yourself out of this job. Lie? Wait a minute, Matson. What are you saying? <laughs> We're all waiting to hear what you got to say. Go on, start your lie. Here, Jack, I'll help you sit up. Oh, thanks. Oh, Matson, he, he told me to come here to smash that safe. Oh, oh listen to him. Be quiet, Matson. You did, Matson. You, you threatened to tell... Oh, Mr. Gregory. Tell your story, Jack. Mr. Gregory, I... I did a term in jail before I came to Whitehorse. I knew that, Jack. Sergeant Preston told me all about that before I hired you at my bank. You, you knew it? Of course. Any man can make a mistake. But tell me, Jack, did you make the same mistake a second time? Did you come here and smash that safe? Oh, yes. Matson told me he had to get evidence. He said that he was a special lawman. He threatened to go to you, Mr. Gregory, and tell you I'd been in prison if I didn't help him. Well, that's a mighty fancy lie, Randall. Me, a lawman. Oh, that's funny. I haven't been a lawman since just after your trial in Dawson. Jack, what happened just after the explosion? The door opened. Matson came in. Go on. Matson shot at me. That's all I know. That was after you shot at me. I, I didn't shoot. I, I couldn't. I didn't have a gun. A liar? I tell you, I didn't have a gun. How about the gun on the floor where you were lying? I, I don't know. And how about the cash we found in your pocket? Cash? Handy Lonigan's cash from his safe. I have something to say about this cash. There's just $200 here. I'm sure Lonigan had more than that. I sure did. Maybe it's in this room. Maybe we can find the rest of the money. How? How will you do it? You mean search us all? I don't think it'll be necessary to search anyone. All the cash in the safe is close to the explosion of the blasting powder. It'll have a strong scent of burnt powder. King should be able to help. Here, King. Get the scent, boy. Just what sort of a trick are you trying to pull, Preston? You'll find out, Matson, in just a minute. I I told the truth. I believe you, Jack. Now let's see what King can do. Go on, King. Find it. King, with the scent of gunpowder and paper money in his nostrils, moved from one man to another in the crowded room, while every man watched, tense and wondering. Then the great dog moved to Matson. Suddenly, he made a leap. No! Matson's got it! King's fangs closed on Matson's pocket. Get away from me! There was a ripping of cloth. The pocket tore loose, and a bundle of paper money dropped to the floor. Money! Look at it! There you are. Preston, I'll kill you for that. Matson snatched a gun from an inside pocket, and King leaped at the gun. The shot went wild. Then Preston shot. That'll do! Here's another! 
Got him, King. Take that dog away. Get him off of me. On guard, King. Down, boy. On guard. Gosh, Sergeant. He brought that gun out so fast, he, he might have gotten here. King hadn't jumped him. So you had another gun, eh, Matson? You came here well armed. You fired one gun at Randall, then you fired another and threw it to the floor at Randall's side. You had a third, a sneak gun. Well, I'll take that one. You must have moved fast. After the safe was blown open, you shot twice, then grabbed cash from the safe, put some into Jack's pocket, and the rest into your own. Then you went to the door and shouted. I got nothing to say. That doesn't matter. A jury will decide your guilt. That dog hadn't been here. We'd have caught up with you sooner or later, Matson. I was on the way to the falls to meet a man who could tell me where to find you when King came with a message saying you were here in Whitehorse. You you were looking for Matson? Yes, Jack. For impersonating a member of the Northwest Mounted Police. But now we have him on another charge. Charge of robbery and attempted murder. Gosh. King captured me five years ago. Now he's saved my neck. Take charge of Madsen, Constable. Right, Sergeant. I'll help Jack home. His wife and son are waiting for him. You too, King. Thanks to you, old boy, we're going to a birthday party. And the case is closed. In just a moment, Sergeant Preston will give you a preview of Friday's adventure. Don't forget, get special new model farm packages of Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice Pronto. They're at your grocer's now. Think of it. You can actually get 46 colorful models of farm buildings, farm equipment, and farm animals. These exciting, easily assembled models come on eight different packages. And they're yours at no extra cost. Don't miss out. Start building yourself a model farm right away. And don't forget... These exciting models come only with delicious Quaker Puff wheat and Quaker Puff rice. They're waiting for you now on your grocer's shelves. So hurry. These radio dramas, a feature of the challenge of the Yukon Incorporated, are created and produced by George W. Trendle and directed by Fred Flowerday. This story was written by Fran Stryker. The part of Sergeant Preston is played by Paul Sutton. They are brought to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the same time by Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice, the breakfast cereal shot from guns. Listen Friday when Sergeant Preston and Yukon King meet the challenge of the Yukon in the case of the Skagway Patrol. It isn't very often that a member of the force works out of uniform, but it was necessary the time the Major sent me down to Skagway. Skagway is an American territory... And it was my mission to get a line on the criminals who were coming into the town. For a while, King and I were actually members of Soapy Smith's gang. Until they found out who we were. And from then on, we were fighting for our lives. Be sure to hear this exciting adventure Friday. Till then, this is J. Michael wishing you goodbye, good luck, and good health from Quaker Puffed Wheat and Quaker Puffed Rice. So long. Stay tuned for Life with Luigi next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to join that little immigrant from Italy, Luigi Basco, as he begins another letter to his mama. From Chicago, we invite you to enjoy life. 
Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring J. Carol Nash with Alan Reed. ago, when Luigi Basco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write her and tell her about his adventures. So now, we look over Luigi's shoulder as he writes another letter to Mama Basco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, is now big shopping season in America. Everywhere is science. Newspapers and radio, they tell people there is only 24 shopping days till Christmas. Mamma mia. With the money I got, I can do all of my Christmas shopping in 24 minutes. <laughs> Streets is filled with excited people rushing to buy things. In Chicago, main shopping section is called the Loop. I guess that's because everybody run around in a circle. <laughs> Department stores even have doors which run around in a circle. <laughs> it's called revolving door. People walk in, and the door walk in with them. <laughs> There's also many other wonderful things. Like in old country, when a man wants to go to second floor, he walks upstairs. In a department store, man stands still, and the stairs walk up. <laughs> yes, Mamma Mia. Everybody here getting ready to celebrate the Christmas. Except the Pasquale, my countryman. Who bring me to America. Only celebration he wants is for me to marry his daughter, Rosa. And the mama. That Rosa is so fat. If she ever stand on the street for five minutes, policemen give her a ticket for double parking. <laughs> anyway, this morning, I open up my antique store. And I'm talking with my 12-year-old general manager, Jimmy O'Connor, who's like a son to me. And Jimmy, he say... Hey, boss, here's the mail. Is a letter from my mama? Not today, boss. Then who write to me? There's quite a few here. It's a wonderful country. I don't write to anybody, but I get answers anyway. <laughs> today is the 30th. It's the end of the month. So what? It happened 12 times a year. Like Uncle Pietro say, everything has an end except sausage. <laughs> sausage has two ends. <laughs> But tomorrow is the first, so the bills come in today. Is it too bad the month don't start on the fifth? Then we have more time to pay bills. With the money we haven't got, it won't make much difference. Someday I pay. Right now, we keep a record. I write on the page, bills are standing out. Uh, that's bills outstanding. Okay, read the bills. It's from the Edison Company. It's a pleasure to hear from Mr. Edison. <laughs> Fine man. Electric light is a wonderful invention. If Edison don't invent electric light, Edison and company go out of business. How much do we owe, Mr. Edison? Uh, $4.38. Is worth the money I'm going to owe them. If you don't pay, they'll turn off the juice. Then we use candles, like in old country. If we do, then this place is sure going to be spooky. With all these old statues and old furniture and candles. In old days, everybody used candles. Even Abraham Lincoln. He was a poor fella, Jimmy. He lived in a log cabin, walk every day to school in the snow, work in a store just like you, and then study at the night to buy candle. And then he become a president. 
That's getting to the White House the hard way. Even harder, Lincoln was a Republican. <laughs> What's our uh, next bill, Jimmy? Mm, gas. Four dollars and twelve cents. Hmm. Maybe we better cut down on our cooking. From now on, we boil three-minute eggs in two minutes. <laughs> Guess how much the telephone bill is. Three dollars? Try again. Four dollars. You hit the bell. I think Mr. Bell hit me. <laughs> Just the same as a wonderful invention. If there's no telephone, then there's no telephone or books. What the little kids sit on when they want a haircut? <laughs> what are you going to do with these bills? When we have the money, we pay. Aren't you worried? It's a no use everybody worrying, Jimmy. Right now, I let the companies worry. <laughs> but what are you going to do, boss? I got a surprise for you, Jimmy. See? Here's the $15. Where'd you get that? You remember old colonial letter case? Sure, cost you 20. I sell it for 15. But, boss. I get a stuck when I pay $20 for it, Jimmy. So I sell it back to the same fellow for 15. <laughs> but you lost $5 in the deal. Oh, no, Jimmy. I make $5 because it's only worth $10 in the first place. <laughs> What's the next letter, Jimmy? It's from the president of the Windy City Investment Company. From president himself? Yep, John C. Shaw. Let me see letter. Dear friend. Jimmy, do I know Mr. Shaw? Oh, it doesn't mean a thing, boss. Your name is on what they call sucker list. <laughs> it's a pretty good, Jimmy. Only one a year here and already I'm on a sucker list. <laughs> I wouldn't exactly call it an honor, boss. Must be, Jimmy. Here's the fella I don't know. Is he giving me a chance to invest in a gold mine? Maybe we invest a little money, huh, Jimmy? What money? Next letter, Jimmy. <laughs> it's from the Jackson Hospital plan. Jimmy, I read it myself. Look, it say here. Dear Mr. Bosco, this is a personal letter. Believe me, boss, there's nothing personal about it. Never mind, Jimmy. Listen to the letter. Consider this invitation from us to join. How you like that, Jimmy? Invitation. It's just an ad, boss. They don't mean that. What this means? Hospital plan. Uh, they pay your hospital expenses. First, I have to be sick, huh? Natch. Huh? Natch. Natch. What the natch means? Well, it's short for naturally. Please, Jimmy. I like to learn a long English, not the shorthand. <laughs> How do you know about this plan? I've seen the ads in the papers. And I've heard them on the radio. They got the longest commercial. Then why you not tell me? Well, boss, you can't take on any more expenses. Well, it's say here only cost the two cents a day. You can't even afford that. Maybe they give it cheaper if we get sick only on the weekends. <laughs> I see about this right away. Why the hurry? Mr. Jackson say here in his letter, hurry, hurry. I hurry. Mr. Luigi. You watch the story, Jimmy. I go see Mr. Jackson. America, I love you. You like a papa. Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, Pasquale. I'm in a bigger hurry. Always you in a bigger hurry. Not always, Pasquale. Only when I see you. Where are you going this time? To hospital. Who's sick? Me. What's the matter with you? I find out later. 
<laughs> you talk, you know, but you don't make a sense, Luigi. Speak a play. I explain to you, Pasquale. See this? Show is a letter. No, it's an invitation. Invitation to what? Invitation to hospital. That's a nice invitation. <laughs> I'm here 26 years. I never hear of an invitation to a hospital. Wait, I explain. Is invitation for hospital insurance plan for two cents. Luigi, why you always stick your two cents in everything? <laughs> All the time you run around, run around like a little mouse. Is it called Jackson Plan? Luigi, why you gotta be different from other people? Why you must join a Jackson Plan? Join a Marshall Plan? <laughs> if you're sick, Jackson take care of the whole thing for two cents a day. That's a stupid. When a fella gets a sick, two cents a day is not going to help him much. Pasquale, you pay Jackson a plan two cents. Jackson, he pay hospital. What's to happen if it's raining someday and you're not going to run to the mailbox and send the Jackson his two cents? <laughs> Then there's no insurance for that day. Luigi, you always buy policies. So for one a month already, you got a fire insurance. Is there no fire? Takes time. <laughs> I explain to Pasquale. Look what it says here in the letter. If I get sick, Jackson planners pay for doctors and nurses and all kinds of sickness. They pay for everything except the maternity. Why? Is it contagious? <laughs> Pasquale, you don't understand. I'm understand the plenty, but what's to happen if I'm a catcher this maternity? <laughs> is it not possible? Maternity is meaning having little bambinos. Oh, that's a fine. I tell you what do you do. Forget it, it's a crazy two cents a hospital. Marry my Rosa, she's a have a bambino. I pay you two cents a day for the rest of your life. <laughs> Pasquale, we're not to talk about the rosa. We talk about a rosa, I break your arm. Pasquale, how is the rosa? I'm glad you asked, my son. Luigi, you couldn't find a nicer girl. Or a bigger. There's nothing my Rosa can do. She's got lots of talent. What the kind of talent? Oh, she's a wonder. She's a first-class cook. She's a handy with a needle. She's a washer better than the laundry. And she's a keeper house and neat like a pin. You know, Pasquale... Yes, my son. I bet you Rosa could have found a good job someplace. <laughs> Luigi, I don't like your sense of humor, especially when my Rosa, she's a crazy for you. Is it too bad, Pasquale? Right now, she's a feeling very bad. She's got a broken heart. Maybe she joined a two cents hospital. Is there no hospital cure for her? Only you, Luigi. You, the doctor. If I'm the doctor, I go find a new patient. <laughs> oh, Luigi, you get me so mad, I think I'm going to break you into little pieces. Then I better go join a Jackson plan quick. <laughs> Excuse me, lady. Is this Jackson Hospital plan? Yes. I'd like to speak to Andrew. Uh, what's the nature of your business? Antique business. 21 North Holstead Street. Open night and day and I we mean, always... what can I do for you? I get the letter this morning. I'd like to join two cents a day hospital plan. Oh, you want to see Mr. McGrady. First order, you're right. Thank you, lady. Come in. Hello. Girl outside, she tells me you're Mr. McReady. Yes. She says you can tell me all about Jackson and hospital plan. I'd be glad to. 
You see... You see, Mr. Oh. McCready, I'm not along in this country, and it's harder for me to understand everything it says here in a little book about a hospital plan. So maybe you explain some of the things that it says here. I'd be glad to. It says here no physical examination is necessary. I guess if there's no examination necessary, it means I don't have to see a doctor. Well, I'm okay. glad you explained to me. Another thing. It is say here, you have a choice of a 90-member hospital. That means I go to any hospital I like? Well, there are 90 hospitals. It's so wonderful how simple as everything, the way you explain it. It is say here. Also say here, if I marry, plan also cover my wife. If I ever marry Rosie, there's no plan big enough to cover her. <laughs> but I have a little boy, Jimmy. Is it good for him, huh? Yes. Thank you so much, Mr. McCready. You speak a beautiful English. Here's my two cents. I enroll in plan. Sorry, oh, mister. Oh, it's my fault. I don't look where I'm going. Are you hurt? No, but maybe I hurt your car. Are you sure you're all right? I feel fine. We can't be too sure, Mr. Basco. Mr. McReady, what are you doing here? Right on the job, Mr. Basco. The Jackson Hospital plan will take care of everything. Yes, sir, there's a room, nurse, a choice of any one of 1,000 doctors already in waiting for you. Mamma mia, all for two cents. <laughs> While you're wondering what Luigi is going to do next, I have a $16,000 announcement for you about CBS's popular quiz program, Hit the Jackpot. Later tonight, $16,000 worth of breathtaking prizes will be given to the lucky contestant at home or in the studio who can give the correct solution to the secret sentence. MC Bill Cullen will give you more clues to help you solve the secret sentence. For fun and prizes, be sure to tune in Hit the Jackpot tonight over most of these same CBS network stations. And now, for the second act of Luigi Vasco's Adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. So, Mamma Mia, I never think when I go to join a hospital plan that five minutes later I'm in a hospital. This gives you idea of a kind of a quick service a fellow gets in America. So now I'm in a hospital only because I'm reading a hospital advertisement book when I cross the street and I don't see the car. But don't worry, Mamma Mia. There's absolutely nothing wrong with me. Only trouble is that nobody believes in me. Is a very nice nurse here. She takes my pulse. Is first American girl who holds my hand. Is a very pleasant, Mamma Mia. But now, Jimmy visited me and he said, Boss! Hello, Jimmy. I rushed down here as soon as I heard about it. Who tell you? It's all over the neighborhood. I feel fine, Jimmy. What happened, boss? I'm walking across the State Street when suddenly I hit automobile. Did you get the license? No, just a piece of the right front fender. Where were you hurt, boss? In a safety zone. on State Street. If, if I tell you, you'll be angry with me, Jimmy. Oh, I'm not going to be angry, boss. I go see Jackson Hospital Plan. Then I have an accident. After I join. Uh, please, Jimmy, do something for me. 
Write the note to my teacher, Miss Spaulding. I know can come to school tonight. Same as I write for you. Well, I can tell him, Mr. Luigi. You don't have to write a note. No, Jimmy. It's better you write. Please excuse my parents. Luigi Basco from school tonight. Yours truly, Jimmy O'Connor. Well, if that's the way you want it. Someone's here to see you, boss. Oh, he's a man from a two cents hospital plan. <laughs> well, goodbye, boss. I'll see you later. Okay, goodbye, Jimmy. Mr. Basco, I take my hat off to you. Thank you. You're very polite. Yes, sir. You sure are a fast worker. We're going to make a big thing out of this. Imagine a man signs up for the Jackson Hospital plan, and five minutes later, he's in the hospital. Why, it'll make us the talk of the country. You, you're not angry with me? Angry? Certainly not. On the contrary, we'll see to it that you get every operation that's coming to you. You'll get, you'll get tonsils, adenoids, appendix, and that's only the start. Sounds like the finish. <laughs> Please, I'm a feeling fine. I want to go home. Mr. Pascoe. You gave us your two cents. You enrolled. We have your signature. You agreed to accept our benefits. And you'll get your benefits. Please, I just want to go home. You stay right there. Don't move till you hear from us. You're in a soft, comfortable hospital bed. You'll get the best of doctors and nurses for two cents a day. You're entitled to all this for 21 days. Live, man, live! <laughs> Nurse, doctor, mamma mia! Luigi, you sleeping, my son? Oh, Pasquale, I'm even glad to see you. How you feel, my little man? I feel fine, Pasquale, Don't but... Don't talk, I... Luigi. Here, drink a little soup. A rose she cooked especially for you. That's nice. She's a love in every spoon of full, Luigi. She's put her heart in it. Taste like it. <laughs> Luigi... I'm already take care of everything for you. Then when can I go home? Take it easy. Lawyer says you're critical of sick man. Lawyer? I don't even see lawyer. How he knows? He knows. But the Pasquale, I don't need lawyer. Never see a fellow like you. Even when you're sick, you argue. If a lawyer says you're sick, you're sick. But I'm not sick. I'm a fine. I don't care what you say. I already give a lawyer $50,000. $50 I give him. He say we're going to collect. I never have a $50,000. But the lawyer I give a $50 to, he say we're going to collect a 10000 We? Sure we. Is it your accident, so I make you a partner. Next time, if I have accident, I make you a partner, too. It's a fair exchange. Thank you, Pasquale, but there's nothing wrong with me. Lawyer is out the side. He's a tell what's wrong with you. Here is a Mr. Sykes, your lawyer. Louis. How are you, Mr. Basco? I'm a fine. Delirious, eh, Pasquale? Sounds alike. And now, uh, don't try to talk, Mr. Basco. You're a very sick man. Just leave everything to me. I don't. I leave it to my mama. Uh, I will sue that car owner for every penny he has in the world. We'll strip and clean. We'll take the clothes off his back. You haven't a thing to worry about with John Sykes as your attorney. I'm worried about other fella. Oh, I've had lots of cases like this. Been chasing ambulances all my life. You must have been pretty tired. <laughs> Mr. Basco, I saw the whole thing. You did? Why, certainly I did. There was this car coming in a very northerly direction at approximately 75 miles an hour. You were standing in the safety zone. I was Don't interrupt, gonna... please. Suddenly this automobile swerved, knocked you down, ran over you, backed up, and ran over you again. No, no, no. <laughs> no, Mr. Sykes. It was all my fault. I crossed the one the light that was red. What's that got to do with it? Aren't you entitled to your choice of colors? Sure. <laughs> sure, Luigi. Everybody's got a right to choose a color. 
Don't worry. We're going to collect the plenty. Pasquale, you got a hit by car, too? I'm just to look out for your interest. But I all. feel fine. I, I don't even hurt a little bit. You see, Pasquale? Brain concussion. Looks alike. Now, <laughs> uh, Mr. Basco, where were you on the night of July 21st, 1928? July 21st, 1928. I don't remember. Aha. Uh-huh. Amnesia. <laughs> Magnesia. <laughs> Oh, it's even worse than I feared. Now tell me, Mr. Basco, do you hear ticking noises? Pasquale, take your watch away from my ear. All I can say is, Mr. Basco, that you're a mighty sick man. Yes, sir, mighty sick. Crazy, Mr. Sykes, you're giving me a headache. Fine, don't fight it, Mr. Basco. <laughs> and uh, my back, my back is hurting from laying in bed. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. Now you're talking. But I feel fine. Stop for saying that. <laughs> Just keep them quiet, Pasquale. I'll be back in a moment. Pasquale, I don't trust Mr. Sykes. I'm surprised at you, Luigi. Mr. Sykes is as honest as I am. That's what worries me. (laughs) No, Pasquale. I don't sue the fella. He's not honest. I don't want his money. I want to go home. Look, Luigi, you don't worry about this. All you think about is your health. I worry about your money. Hey, lay down, Luigi. He's a doctor. Well, how are you feeling, Mr. Bosco? I'm a feeling... Not ca- so good, Doctor. Excuse me, I'd like to look at the chart. Sure, Doctor. Here. Uh, what does it say? Mmm. Sounds bad. Is... Is it bad, Doctor? Temperature? Mmm. Blood pressure? Mmm. <laughs> Has it got a temperature and a blood pressure? <laughs> yeah, these x-rays... Mm. <laughs> X-rays. I'm, I'm feeling the fire. Stop arguing with a doctor. You'll excuse me, Mr. Basco. I'll be back. Pasquale. I hear you, Luigi. What? What a doctor mean when he say, Mmm. <laughs> Don't sound good to me, Luigi. Here, Luigi, hold my hand. Pasquale, you see X-ray pictures? It's all black. Is there nothing left inside? <laughs> what does it say on the chart? I'm not supposed to tell you, Luigi. <laughs> Please, please, Pasquale. Is it better if I know everything? All right. All right, I tell. Temperature 98 to period of six. <laughs> That's not too good. Please, Pasquale. If anything happens, you take care of Jim. Sure, sure. I even adopt him. And when he grow up, don't make him marry Rosa. <laughs> Rose is always going to be true to one man, you, Luigi. It's all right with me if she lie a little. Listen, Pasquale, is one more thing. In four years from now, I get my citizenship paper. Can you hear me, Pasquale? I hear you, Luigi. <laughs> I give you permission to vote for me. 
Anything else? I wait until the doctor comes back before I make more promises. All right, Luigi. Now I tell you what I'm going to do for you. When I'm going to collect the money from accident, I'm going to take your share, and I'm going to build a new antique store with your statue in the front, with a big sign in your honor, Luigi Bosco Spaghetti Palace. <laughs> Why spaghetti in antique store? Got to pay expenses, Luigi. <laughs> Pasquale. Is is it suddenly getting very dark? All about to my hands, Luigi, my friend. Maybe maybe now you do something for me, eh? Anything. Maybe you see Rosie just once more, eh? Is it dark enough already? <laughs> that is making no difference, Luigi. You're gonna die anyway? Marry Rosa. This this make her happy, Pasquale? Sure, sure. It's to make her the happiest widow in Chicago. <laughs> All right. Rosa. Where is she? She's just happened to be waiting outside. Rosa! You called me Papa! <laughs> Say hello to poor Luigi. Hello, poor Luigi. Hello, Rosa. <laughs> Luigi's a dying, and before he goes, he wants to marry you, Rosa. What do you think of that? <laughs> Shut up your face. <laughs> Luigi, I go bring the judge. Is the judge also happen to be waiting outside? What's going on here? Doctor, you're just in the time. Everything is dark. No wonder. Someone turned off the lights. <laughs> to do a thing like this. I see everything now. Doctor, I'm not dying, huh? Not for a long time to come, Mr. Bosco. There isn't a thing in the world the matter with you. Get your clothes and go home. You hear that, Pasquale? Doctor, you sure? Of course. It's impossible, doctor. I just give a lawyer fifty dollars and Luigi's gotta die. <laughs> I feel fine. I'm gonna leave the hospital. I got my two cents worth. Pasquale, I'm going back to the store. Wait, Luigi, you promised to marry Rosa today. Oh, no. I already have my accident for today. Mamma Mia, now if I get sick, is nothing to worry about, because I get sick in America. Your loving son, Luigi. Sure to listen next week at the same time over most of these stations when Luigi Basco writes another letter to Mama Basco describing his adventures in America. Life with Luigi is a Cy Howard production and is written by High Craft and Cy Howard and stars J. Carol Nash as Luigi Basco with Alan Reed as Pasquale. Music is under the direction of Wilbur Hatch. Thank you for listening. 
Tomorrow night, it's the Cisco Kid, followed by My Favorite Husband. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.